We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 662 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host today, Andy Herman. You can always follow me on Twitter at AndyHermanNFL. You can follow my writing at Packer Report. Today, I'm actually going to discuss one of my recent articles from Packer Report, and that article is uh, or was titled, Why Aaron Rodgers May Be Traded Sooner Than You Think. Obvious clickbait, as you can tell. Um, really excited to be able to kind of discuss this on the podcast. I know it kind of garnered uh, some level of attention, uh, to say the least. But um, you know, I've had the opportunity to discuss a little bit on a few different radio shows, and uh, went on another podcast and discussed it a little bit as well. Um, but I figured this would kind of be the best place to kind of go over what I was thinking, why I wrote that article, and why I think it's relevant. Um, and some of those sorts of things, and uh, just kind of give you a background into kind of how that article came to fruition, uh, why I wrote it, and and some of those sort of things. So let me kind of jump right in and kind of go over the precipice uh, of the article and and why it kind of came to me and why I thought it was important uh, to write the article. The reason that it kind of came to me and the reason that the article came to fruition wasn't because I needed something to write about or I thought it would, you know, get attention or anything like that. Rather, you know, when I when I write about the Packers and when I talk about the Packers, 
I try to come at it from almost an analytical angle, from an angle almost as a, a GM would view things. I try to find different ways to, to analyze it and break it down. That's not just kind of the, the status quo. It's just kind of how my mind works when I kind of look at these sort of things. And when I looked at the Jordan Love pick, it actually fits very much on brand with my philosophy of, of uh, you know, very much like, you know, Brian Gutekunst and Ted Thompson and Ron Wolf of going based off of your board, picking the best player that's available. Um, you know, Ron Wolf was just recently on a radio show and he reiterated of saying, hey, you know, if you've got a quarterback that you believe in, um, it's the most, you know, important position in football, you know, go out and take him. I'm of that same belief, you know, from, as I mentioned on this podcast in the, in the past, going up and using a a late fourth round, almost a fifth round selection to make sure that you can secure the guy that you really want is by far worth it. You know, the the player, uh, I, I like the player, you know, wasn't uh, really necessarily concerned about Jordan Love from a player standpoint. Um, there's definitely concerns there, don't get me wrong, but I could understand why they selected him. Wasn't surprised by that. Wasn't surprised by the philosophy. Wasn't surprised by them moving up to going, you know, going up and getting him. But the one thing that kept coming back to me over and over and over and over again was when does this make sense? And if you go back and listen to the conversation that Justice Mosqueda and I had on this topic, you know, Justice really brought up this great idea of what window makes sense. Like when when does this make sense? And what Justice was getting at and what I've kind of been getting at as well is that it's very easy to see, and I don't think it's controversial at all to say that moving up to get Jordan Love does very little, if anything, to help the Aaron Aaron Rodgers window of trying to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't do a ton. Now, maybe, you know, if if Rodgers goes out for six games and Jordan Love's able to go four and two and hold down the fort and, you know, help Green Bay get in the playoffs so that Aaron can make a run when he comes back. Sure, you could make an argument, something like that, that it, it could still help Aaron Rodgers in the short term. But for the most part, Jordan Love does very little to help Aaron Rodgers window. Actually, and, and actually the inverse is is kind of true in a way as well that Aaron Rodgers does very little to help the Jordan Love window of trying to win and put a championship together, a championship team together surrounding Jordan Love. And, and what Justice meant by that and what I kind of meant by that is is the blueprint for trying to go out, the, the best blueprint for trying to go out and win a championship right now is having a quarterback that makes next to no money and surrounding them with a ton of talent that you can go out and spend a ton of money um, in free agency. You know, there's probably a year that when you're, you know, playing with a, a Jordan Love or a younger quarterback where you don't really have the season that you expected. When Aaron Rodgers went 6-10 and 10 in his first season as a starter, it really actually helped them uh, in the draft be able to go out and get the players that helped build that 3-4 Packers defense that helped them win a Super Bowl. Those are the things that can kind of happen when, when it, to, to help you open up a window with your next quarterback. But if, if you don't have the resources to spend because Aaron Rodgers is still making a ton of money on your, on your salary cap when you're starting Jordan Love, um, it doesn't help you in that regards either. So the, the, the whole idea of where this article came from is trying to make sense of when a situation could take place that would make sense for the Packers to try to open up a, a championship window for one of these teams. Now, before I jump too far into that, it should very, very much be noted that I think the Packers are more of a franchise that's trying to be really good every single year, trying to get in the playoffs every single year, and then kind of seeing what happens from there. I'm not a huge general fan of that philosophy. 
I'm more of the philosophy is strike while the iron is hot. You know, you know, if you have an Aaron Rodgers or a, you know, Brett Favre and they're, you know, sort of, you know, coming towards the end and you can, you know, open up a window and try to make one more strong run. I'm more of the idea of, of trying to go for it and do that. But I also understand in an NFL sense, I think there is really a feeling of, hey, if you can get in the playoffs and get hot at the right time, you know, bad teams have won the Super Bowl, you know, flat out, you know, maybe bad teams is a strong way to say it. But like the team that was supposed to win the Super Bowl has not won it a lot of times. Um, You know, some of those New York Giants teams certainly come to mind, you know, a Ravens team led by, you know, Trent Dilfer. I know they had a phenomenal defense, but, you know, some of those teams come to mind when you think of, you know, of teams getting hot at the right time, making a Super Bowl run at the right time and, uh, and trying to make a run when, when again, when the iron is hot. So that's, you know, my philosophy is trying to open a window. I think the Packers is more of trying to be like, Hey, we're going to try to get good players, stay relevant and good as for long, for as long as possible. And really try to win a Super Bowl by getting into the playoffs over and over and over and hoping that, you know, everything hits right at the right time and, and we can get a Super Bowl ring that way. But the reason that I looked at it the way that I did is I, I really wanted to try to find a, a way that this makes a ton of sense from a, a salary cap standpoint to kind of open up specifically that window potentially for Jordan Love. And the the scenario that struck me when I was going over uh, some of the, the salary cap and how you could get out of Aaron Rodgers' contract and, and things like that, the situation that struck me as potentially advantageous for Green Bay um, it would be trading Aaron Rodgers in 2021. And the the way that that happens or the reason that could potentially make some sense is if you trade Aaron Rodgers in very early 2021, it would be March in the first, uh, one of the first three days of the new league year in 2021. Um, yes, you would take a $31 million plus cap hit in, that, in, in 2021. Um, but that's where kind of this red herring comes in. So I think there's this idea of the Packers would have to take a $31 million cap hit. And because of that, there's no way they would do that. It would financially you know, cripple the Packers in 2021 by making that move. Therefore, the soonest that it could happen would be 2022. And that's really the first red herring that I wanted to address because yes, they would take a $31 million cap hit in 2021 by trading him um, again in March before the third league day or league day of the new year. However, they would actually save money in the 2021 season uh, on the salary cap by making that move. Now, it's like $4 million in savings. It's barely worth mentioning. But what's worth mentioning about it is it doesn't cripple them in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it actually saves them money towards their salary cap in 2021 by trading Aaron Rodgers early in the season. So that's number one. The, the number one thing that I wanted to cover is if they wanted to trade Aaron Rodgers in 2021, they absolutely could do so. And actually from a salary cap standpoint, it would help them even next year. But more importantly than that, the, the reason that this could potentially very much make sense is that Aaron Rodgers would then have a cap hit of you know absolutely $0 in 2022 and in 2023. And why that's important is Jordan Love in those seasons would make around $3 million and $4 million, uh, respectively, in those two seasons in his third and fourth years of his contract which is basically pennies on the dollar compared to most starting quarterbacks and obviously much less than what Aaron Rodgers would be making if he was still on the team during that time frame. So 
If you want to talk about potentially starting to open up that window for Jordan Love, having Aaron Rodgers not cost anything towards the cap would make a ton of sense, potentially, in those two years where you're not paying Aaron Rodgers a dime and you could go out with with Jordan Love making 3 and $4 million in each of those seasons and surround him with a ton, and I mean a ton of potential talent to really try to help him succeed and start opening that Jordan Love window of, of trying to win a championship when he is potentially good and more more importantly, super cheap. So that was the first thing that kind of struck me uh, about this and why I kind of wanted to write about it is just to show, hey, there could be something here that there could, you know, you could make sense of it if they wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers early next season in 2021 and start opening up that window for Jordan Love. The second reason that it got me thinking even more is if you were to think when Aaron Rodgers has the most trade value for the remainder of his contract, what year would it be? And without question, it it would be 2021. You you absolutely cannot make an argument that it would make sense in any other year. With all the talk of when they could trade Aaron Rodgers, it would be really difficult to do so this season. Yes, they could do so um, after June 1st, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. You're not going into this season with Jordan Love being your starting quarterback when he's never played in the NFL before. It's an asinine thought. There's no chance in hell. So we know that it's not going to happen in 2020. So in 2021, 2022, and 2023 are the years that Rodgers could potentially be traded. And of course, the team that's trading for him is going to want him when he's younger, when he has more years under contract, and when he's you know still affordable. And 2021 makes a ton of sense in all for all three reasons. So first of all, you would get him the team that would be trading for him would get him in his ages 37, 38, and 39 seasons. In each of those seasons, he would be making less than, uh, well, overall, an average, he'd be making less than $25 million per season for three seasons, and he would only take $6 million in guaranteed money right around there, $6 million in guaranteed money in the very first year of the deal, and the rest of it would not be guaranteed at all. So they would get him in his 37, 38, 39 seasons for under 25 mil per season with almost $0 guaranteed in the scheme of things. And the money that is guaranteed is in that first year, which if you're trading for him in that year, you obviously want him on your team that season anyway. So you would get a steal of a player um, f- with that contract uh, if Aaron Rodgers was still playing at a high level, which we all expect him to be. And you know, if they would trade for him later on, they would get less years on the deal. He'd be a little bit older. They wouldn't get that age 37, um, you know, year, you know, I just think that's super important. So I think it's really easy to see that the year that would make most sense to trade for him or that you'd get the most value out of Aaron Rodgers if you were to trade him would be in 2021. Um, Juxtapose that with, you know, the, the Tom Brady contract that just happened, for example, Brady at ages 43 and 44 got a two year, $50 million deal entirely guaranteed. Um, again, in a much later stage in his career coming off what for Tom Brady was was definitely a, a down season in New England. So you're getting Rodgers much younger, cheaper with n- almost no guarantees compared to Brady on an all guaranteed deal. And I just think there would be a ton of value in trading Aaron Rodgers in 2021 if the Packers felt that they could do it. And that was kind of the the other thing that that really struck me about this is if they could get you know some potential premium draft picks and and here's what I'm thinking here 
and and part of the reason I'm saying this is, first of all, you know a team like you know the Raiders and John Gruden. You know Gruden would go nuts trying to figure out a way to get Aaron Rodgers, and would probably sell you uh, or trade you a ton in order to get that deal done. I can also guarantee you there would be some sort of team that would uh, th- th- that has a GM and a coach that are on very thin ice. And really, the, their only way to try to save face in their last year, potentially, of their deal is to go out and make a major splash and, and try to save their job. And I, th- I could think of definitely a couple teams that could potentially be in that position um, or just a team that has the resources to make that kind of deal happen. So either way, and whoever would potentially do it, if you look at it, the year that makes the most sense to get the most back in return to trade Aaron Rodgers is 2021. So from a salary cap standpoint, it makes sense. From a trade value standpoint, it makes sense. There's still a couple other reasons that I want to go over here. And I think the last one is really from a Jordan Love standpoint. So I think everyone kind of has this idea, right? That, you know, it's going to take Jordan Love a couple seasons, you know, maybe two or three seasons to be NFL ready. Um, But I think you can also make the argument that in order to make that happen, he probably needs to see the field a little bit and try to get a little bit more uh, accustomed to playing in the NFL. Yeah, if you let Aaron Rodgers play the next three seasons and then Jordan Love plays in his fourth season, yeah, he'd still only be making four million per you know four million for that season. But it would be his very first year as a starter, a true starter in the NFL, and maybe he got a couple of cups of coffee while Aaron Rodgers you know got hurt for a couple of weeks or you know filled in in, in some uh, you know end of game time where they were either winning big or losing big, but you don't know what you have in him for an entire season until, you know, he plays for an entire season. And if you really want to see that and you really want to start developing him, you know, yeah, again, you get him cheap for that fourth year, but one, you're probably still paying Aaron Rodgers a little bit of money in that situation, depending on how they, um, you know, how they did the deal. But again, more importantly, you know, he, he hasn't had a chance to prove himself and he hasn't had a chance to get on the field a ton. So I think from a Jordan Love situation, you can make an argument that the perfect scenario is that Love gets the first year in Green Bay to sit and watch everything that Aaron Rodgers does, how he handles his press conference, how he handles his practice routine, how he handles himself at the locker room, how like all of those things. You get a year to watch and study one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. And then in year two, if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers again prior to the season, they're paying Aaron Rodgers $30 million to not play in Green Bay in that season. So this is not the year that you're expecting a ton out of Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. You know, Could they still be good? Sure. But you're not expecting a Super Bowl run when, again, you're paying a huge chunk of your salary cap to a guy that's not on the team. It would kind of give you this this season to to kind of mentor, uh, or I guess, kind of see what Jordan Love has um, to to kind of guide him a little bit more to not have tremendous expectations. There's still going to be pressure because you're going from from Favre to Rogers to Jordan Love, and you just traded Aaron Rodgers away. So there's still going to be a significant amount of pressure on Jordan Love, but it's not like he's going to be expected to win uh, from day one and, and all of a sudden have this, this Super Bowl in his first season as a starter. This is going to be able to get some of those those bumps in the road out a little bit, or again, where you're still paying uh, Aaron Rodgers a ton of money while he's not on the team. And then you would have really a three-year, maybe even a little bit longer window where, where Love's not making a ton of money. And now he's had a season under, and he's had a season to study Rodgers, a season under his belt where he got to play a little bit and learn from some of his mistakes. 
And now you've got three to four years where he's making significantly less, especially in those first two to three years, making significantly less than the average starting quarterback in the NFL. You can surround him with a ton of talent. You can keep a lot of those premium players um, that you want to keep around, like the David Bakhtiaris and the Devontae Adams and the Aaron Jones and Kenny Clarks. You know, if you want to keep those players, you know, you now have the salary cap to be able to do so. You can probably go out and sign more free agents because, again, you have the salary cap to do so. And it's possible, one, that you've got maybe two premium picks coming back from Aaron Rodgers in exchange. And probably that first year under Jordan Love was maybe more of what, like a seven and nine, eight and eight season. So probably a top 20 pick in, you know, coming off of that season as well. So you're looking at a an influx of immense talent um, as you go into 2022, both in a free agency and a draft standpoint, um, and guys coming off their second year um, who, you know, where maybe you got some potentially great draft picks from that Aaron Rodgers trade as well. So you would, in my opinion, open up this crazy window with a ton of talent surrounding Jordan Love for about a two to three year stretch where you'd be able to, you know, re-sign all those guys, sign free agents, have some premium draft picks, and really potentially have this this really amazing team surrounding him. So those were the three reasons that went on on paper. When I looked at it, it could make some sense if Aaron Rodgers was traded sooner rather than later. And again, by by that, I mean in early 2021, because again, it could really help the window for Jordan Love. And again, it's really tough for Jordan Love to help the window for Aaron Rodgers. So that's where the initial idea and the groundwork for the article, you know, kind of came into play. In fact, again, it wasn't even an article and I'll be totally transparent with you. There was a huge, huge part of me that didn't even necessarily want to write the article because for any of those who have written or podcasted or tweeted um, about Aaron Rodgers, it is usually a very hot button topic from one side or the other. Um, and there are those that will defend Rodgers no matter what. There will those that will you know try to tear him down no matter what. So in a way, no matter what you write about him, it's always going to be a little bit of a, a lightning rod one way or the other. And a part of me was just like, I don't even know that I want to uh, you know, go down that road and have to defend myself as to why I was thinking of this. And while I kind of want to take a pause here, I want to thank so many of you for the, the positive comments on the article. My favorite, my favorite, by the way, was a comment that said, this was a really thought out and well done article and I absolutely hate it, which I totally get. I a million percent get. Like one, I appreciate you taking the time to read it and seeing that it was analytically driven and I was trying to figure out a way to make sense of it and it was not a want or a need. I'm not looking for Aaron Rodgers to to leave Green Bay anytime soon, but I also get that there's a strong, you know, desire to keep him in Green Bay and not want him, you know, playing on another team. You know, for for anyone that you know went through the the Favre you know Packers situation, you know all you have to do is look back at that. You know Ted Thompson got it right. He drafted the right guy. He moved forward with Aaron Rodgers at the right time. He, he did everything perfectly to an extent. I mean, there's some hiccups along the way, but the the result was perfect. And it still stings in a way because there, no matter what happens. Packer fans have the image of Brett Favre wearing a purple Vikings jersey in their mind for pretty much ever. 
And that sucks. There's no two ways about it. And and having to go through that entire situation where the quarterback that, in, you know, for me, I grew up watching. I was at, you know, the, the Cincinnati Bengals game where he threw the touchdown to Kitcher Taylor. Like having that guy that you grew up watching, having to go and play as a Minnesota Viking or even another team period. Like for me personally, I really liked watching him on the Jets, but I know I'm kind of in the minority there. So, um, you know, no matter what, it's it's not fun seeing him on another team. So even if Brian Gutekunst got this right, even this was a million percent the right pick, even if he trades him at the right time, even if he builds a perennial Super Bowl contender with Jordan Love at quarterback and they win three Super Bowls with Jordan Love, um, even if all of that happens, seeing Aaron Rodgers on a, a team, you know, and wearing another jersey will still sting, you know, no matter what. And and that's just kind of the the reality of it. So. I'm not excited about it. I'm not, and I should mention too, I don't necessarily think this is the most likely outcome. In fact, I I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but do I think it's possible? I absolutely think it's possible if the the right situation and circumstances come to a head. And and that's where I kind of finalized the article and, and how I'll kind of finalize today. Uh, there were there were three situations and three scenarios that I said would have to take place in order for the Packers to consider trading Aaron Rodgers in 2021. And I'll go through those. And the the first one and the most obvious and the easiest to understand is that Jordan Love has to show that he can at least be a good to really good starting quarterback in the NFL. And there were some that read the article and interpreted it as saying, well, yeah, if Jordan Love is as good or better than Aaron Rodgers, then of course you would do this. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you could make an argument that if Jordan Love is good to really good, it would make more sense to have a really good Jordan Love with a ton of talent surrounding him and 30 plus million extra to spend in free agency than potentially would be to have a great but kind of declining great Aaron Rodgers without 30 million to spend in free agency. And I think that's where the, the question has to kind of come into play. But again, Jordan Love would have to show something within his first year as a Green Bay Packer in order for them to have some sort of trust in them. And you might say, well, short of him, you know, playing in a bunch of regular season games because of an Aaron Rodgers injury, you know, how is that going to happen? And you could make that argument. And I certainly understand that argument. But I also think if you look across the NFL, I think more teams than not felt with their specific quarterback on their roster that they knew what they had after the very first year or before then. You know, you look at the the Carson Wentz's, the Russell Wilson's, the Dak Prescott's, um, you know, the the Patrick Mahomes's, the Deshaun Watson's. Even you go back as far as uh, you know Tom Brady. Even look at Deshaun Kaiser from a negative standpoint. The Browns played him for a season. They knew he was not going to be the guy of the future. Drew Locke this last season. He gets in a couple games. Denver felt comfortable with him moving forward as the starting quarterback. Lamar Jackson. You know they knew after the very first season that they were going to go all in on Lamar Jackson and really build that team around him in his second year as a starter. Like you go team by team, and more often than not the quarterback on that roster, they knew going into season two that they were going to build the team around that player for better or worse, uh, or they knew what they had in that quarterback and felt comfortable with him being the starter moving forward. So I think that this idea that the Packers would have no idea what Jordan Love would be 
after his first year of a Green Bay Packer. I, I don't agree with that idea. You know, TJ Lang just tweeted out a couple of weeks ago that he knew pretty much in the first practice, the very first practice of, of with a player, if they had it or not, if he was going to end up being a, a true NFL caliber player uh, in the league or not in his first practice. Now, we don't know how you know TJ is as a talent evaluator, but I think it's telling nonetheless that he had a really good instinct after that first practice of whether someone was going to be good or not. And I think the Packers, with Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and that entire front office and scouting department, I think they're going to have a very strong idea as to whether or not they got the 2018 version of Jordan Love and he's ready and he and he's ready to play in the NFL, you know, right away or at least by year 2 or if they know that they need some more time to develop him and and things just aren't clicking yet by the end of that first season. So caveat number 1 is that they have to have an inkling that Jordan Love is at least a good to really good quarterback by year 2 in the NFL and I don't think that's as far-fetched as maybe some people think. And again, especially if he's 2018 Jordan Love was throwing a lot of touchdowns um, and not making mistakes with the football. If he shows at practice that he's making good decisions, can make every throw on the field and, uh, and is capable of leading the team, well, then yeah, the, the things could accelerate sooner rather than later. And again, I think you can make an argument that that's that, not that far-fetched of an idea going into 2021. The second caveat is that Aaron Rodgers has to basically kind of stay the same as a, as a quarterback. If he looks like MVP caliber Aaron Rodgers again, and certainly if they were to win a Super Bowl, or even if he has an MVP MVP caliber season and they just fall short of a Super Bowl, maybe another NFC championship or they lose in the Super Bowl, something like that. If that happens, you're probably looking at a situation where they're going to run back Rodgers another year. They're going to see him playing at top form and they're going to say, you know what? We're not going to trade this guy right now. He's playing too well. Uh, We'll give Jordan another year. We'll figure it out later. But Aaron's just playing too incredibly well for us to, you know, make a trade at this point. So if he looks, you know, better than he has over the course of the last few seasons, goes back to his MVP, you know, style of play and, and caliber of play, then this is all probably off the table. You, I think you can also make an argument that if Rodgers would some reason regress significantly or if he would have a major injury where it would really hurt his trade value, I think you could look at a situation where Green Bay really looks to kind of, you know, give Rodgers another year, maybe, you know, maybe let Love develop a little bit longer and, and see if Rodgers can really bounce back and maybe they can build some of that trade value back up um, rather than getting pennies on the dollar or even just the idea of, you know, you know, if he has an off year, or a really injured year, and some team calls and says, "Hey, we'll give you a third round pick," I think they might just say, "You know what? We'd rather keep him um, than than you know take a third round pick in exchange. He's, he's more valuable to us than he is to you at that point, and we're just going to keep him around." So. Again, I think if he, you know, balls out and has this tremendous 2020 and is MVP level or he brings him to a Super Bowl, I think it's off the table if he regresses or, you know, significantly or if he has a major injury and and teams are, you know, kind of no longer interested because of the injury issues, then again, I think he sticks around. But if he basically stays the same where he's really good, but maybe not top 3 good, you know, maybe not top 5 good, um, but still playing at a high level, but Green Bay doesn't really feel that they can get over the top with Rodgers playing at that level and paying him as much as they would need to pay him. Then I think there's a scenario, again, if love is good and if everything else you know, kind of comes to fruition, then I think they could say, hey, we'll take some premium draft choices. We'll move forward with Jordan Love and we'll kind of go from there. And then last but not least, the third caveat is that 
even if all of this comes to fruition, if Jordan Love it looks really good, if Rodgers is kind of staying status quo, I still think some team has to come and make you an offer that you can't refuse. And again, I don't think this is a hard, I think this is the easiest of the three to see happening. I think it's easy for some team to, you know, be desperate, fall in love. We know how hard it is to find franchise quarterbacks. And Rogers just said in his press conference that he wants to play into his 40s. So you have him on a three-year deal that's really cheap by NFL standards, that has almost no guaranteed money. It's a dream deal. He's still under his 40s. And if he continues to perform, you might have him on your team for five or six more years playing at a really solid level. I just think that some team is going to drool over that. And even just in name value and Super Bowl MB, or Super Bowl and, and MVP seasons and things like that, there's going to be some team that is like, you know what? We're going all in. We're going to go get Aaron Rodgers. The team that I wrote about, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if, if Gardner Minshew doesn't turn out, and uh, you know they'll have two first-round picks, both their own and the Rams. You know, could they offer two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers? I think those things are always hard to, to try to figure out where teams value certain players. But I, I think the, the the conversation would start with a if they were to trade him in 2021 with a first-round pick, and I think it would at minimum be like a first and a third. And I think it could go as high as two first-round picks. And again, I think you could be looking at potentially a couple premium draft picks in return for Aaron Rodgers. So. In, in in kind of recapping everything, in order to make this happen, Jordan Love has to show that he's probably really good at minimum. Aaron Rodgers has to stay the same, and some team has to blow them out of the water with trading them, you know, two first round picks with one of those likely being like a top ten, top twelve pick um, in in next year's NFL draft. And if all of those things do come to fruition, which I don't think any of them are are that outside of the the realm of of possibility. In fact, I would expect Rodgers to mostly stay the same. I would expect some team to be massively interested in him with that contract if if the if the Packers were willing to deal him. Really the only thing that's left is that Jordan Love has to somehow show in his first season that he's ready to go, that he could be a starting caliber, you know, above average starting caliber NFL quarterback, top, you know, 16, 17, you know, NFL quarterback. If he shows that, I think they would, you know, have to entertain the conversation if some team came at him with a deal that they couldn't refuse. I, I just think it's within the realm of possibility. I think you go back to getting the most um, return on your dollar for Aaron Rodgers, opening up a window for Jordan Love, um, having it be really the best case scenario for Jordan Love. You go right down the line and with just a couple things coming true, it, it legitimately, you can make an argument that it makes the most sense. So I'll, I'll say it once again, it's not necessarily what I'm hoping for. It's not what I necessarily think will happen, but I just really wanted to get it out there that I think this is a real possibility if a couple things go the way that honestly, the Packers would hope that they would go, you know, especially with, you know, having a ton of trade value for Rodgers and Jordan Love is kind of the player that they hope and expect him to be. I'm sure they would love that Rodgers would play at a massive MVP level and win a Super Bowl and make this all a moot point. So you could definitely make that argument. But outside of that, that to me, when you look at all the different options of what could come from Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love from here, that's the one situation where I look at it and go, oh, if that happened, that could legitimately make some sense. 
and they'd still have to pay it off. They'd have to win, you know, significant games and and build a franchise around Jordan Love, and he'd have to, you know, pay that off as well for this to have have been successful. But when you look at it from a, a GM sort of mindset, from an analytical mindset, that's the one situation and scenario that I, again, I look at and say, okay, I, I could see that working. I could see that making sense. And by doing it then, you you kind of close that window, obviously, on Aaron Rodgers, but you start really having the opportunity to open that window for Jordan Love. And rather the two kind of counterbalancing each other, as I mentioned from the beginning, where hanging on to Rodgers hurts Love's window and Love doesn't do a ton to help Rodgers' window, you know, this is a situation where you close one, but you could open the other extremely wide. And that, of course, being for Jordan Love. So that's where this came about. The last thing that I'll say in regards to this, we've we've all read the articles and, and kind of read this idea that Matt LaFleur wants to build this offense a little bit more in his image. You know, they get the, the power running back in A.J. Dillon. They get the H back in Josiah DeGuerra. Um, they've got the big, you know, powerful receivers, you know, that they have and have picked up now in Devin Funchess. Um, you know, if, if that's the case, if they want to build this team where it's a more, you know, Matt LaFleur, Matt, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, you know, sort of style offense, what he probably wants is not somebody who is super improvisational, which Rodgers definitely is. He probably wants somebody that's going to follow the script a little bit more. And, it, you know, in a way, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way in any any way, shape, or form at all, but if you look at the 49ers, right? Let's look at the, the Kyle Shanahan offense. Who's the star of that offense? You, know, you could say George Kittle. I would argue the star of that offense is Kyle Shanahan. He's the the mastermind and the genius behind that offense, and he has all the players that he needs to run that system successfully. Basically, he's saying like, guys, I'm going to get guys open for you, and I'm going to get running lanes for you. Let me be the genius. You guys just go out and do your job and and play, and I'll kind of take care of the rest. And you you don't want necessarily a guy, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you don't necessarily want somebody who's going to go off script a ton and is not going to, you know, when when the the system runs like it's supposed to, is going to, you know, shake off the initial call and and maybe try to do something a little bit different that he's maybe more familiar with. And I, I'm not even saying that Kyle Shanahan wouldn't want Aaron Rodgers at quarterback because I think if he had the choice between Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers, I think he's taking Aaron Rodgers a hundred times out of a hundred. And I think Matt, you know, Matt Lafleur would say the same thing. And I would even be willing to tell you that if if Matt Lafleur had the choice of him being himself being the star or Aaron Rodgers being the star. I think he would tell you, listen, as long as we're winning, I'm happy with Aaron Rodgers being the star. I don't I don't think Matt LaFleur wants that spotlight. That's not what I'm saying here in any way, shape, or form. But I do think there's something to the fact that he probably wants his offense run um, and, and wants it to be a little bit more timing-based and, and wants things to kind of go according to plan. And that's not always Rodgers. And I, what I'm trying to get here is not not the the Florio, Florio idea that these two can't coexist together. They've coexisted great together in their first year. And Matt LaFleur has built his offense uh, in a way that Aaron can be, still be very successful. Aaron, by all intents and purposes, loves working with uh, you know with Matt LaFleur. Uh, they, everything seems perfect. So I, I'm not starting that conversation in any way, shape, or form. But what I am saying is that if he feels like his offense can run successfully with just a really good quarterback, again, I think that's the that's just another one of those pieces of information that could make you believe and make you think, okay, 
maybe again a, a really good Jordan Love at three million or four million for a season could be more beneficial to the offense than an Aaron Rodgers at thirty-five million for a season. And and it's just going back to the idea of you know do you want a little bit of a declining Aaron Rodgers who's going to be a little bit more improvisational and and maybe a little bit less running the offense the way that you want. Or do you want Jordan Love, who's probably going to listen to kind of everything that you're saying as a coach, run the offense the way that you want it to, and have an additional $30 million to spend on players and talent to surround him with, which can make your offense and defense, you know, that much better as well. So that is the entire idea from beginning to end of where this thought process started. And I'm going to just say it one more time, not hoping it happens, not expecting it to happen, but opening up that possibility because I do think it's real. And I do think it's relevant at least to talk about that. I think, you know, when people say, well, if they trade Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be, you know, three or four years down the line, it certainly could be. And it could certainly be a situation in which they never trade him. And he stays, you know, his time in Green Bay, I thought one of the telling quotes from Brian Gutekunst was that, um, you know, after the the draft pick took place, in fact, I think it was his closing uh, press conference when the draft was finished, was that, you know, he basically went back to the Favre Rodgers situation and said, listen, the only reason that situation happened in the first place is because Aaron Rodgers was good. You know, if if Jordan Love isn't good and isn't up to the task, this is all for nothing. Aaron Rodgers will be here until he's, you know, 43, you know, 44 years old, potentially until he wants to be here because, you know, if, if they missed on Jordan Love and he's not the player that they expected, they're going to probably try and keep Aaron around as long as possible because he's one hell of a meal ticket um, at quarterback when you're a, a head coach and a GM, you know, you got him around, you're still going to win some games. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that that's the case, even when he's in his early forties. So you know, Jordan has to show that he's capable of being a really good NFL starter before any of these conversations take place. Um, but again, the, the whole idea behind the article was that if that happens sooner rather than later, you can make a really strong argument that it could make sense to trade Rodgers sooner rather than later. So that's what the article was about. Um, I hope you uh, appreciated a little bit more of a deep dive in the breakdown today. Um, again, I cannot say thank you enough to, to those of you who read the article and had, had positive responses. Um, it really truly meant a lot because again, I know how high stakes an article like that can be. And I know how, um, you know, I know how it can get a reaction going before you even read the article. And I, I kind of opened the article by saying it took me way too long even to just write the title because I didn't want the title to come off as, as clickbaity, but I wanted it to come across as what I was writing about. Like even that took way, you know, way, way, way too long. So I uh, sincerely appreciate you reading it. I pre- appreciate the feedback that I got. Um, I know it, it's not for everyone. I know that a lot of people won't like the idea or the premise behind it. Um, like I said, I'm not even saying that I necessarily do, but uh, I do think that there's there's at least value in having that conversation and, and bringing it up because there are some really key you know, pieces of information that could make this advantageous for the Green Bay Packers if they decided to go that route as soon as next season. So thanks so much for listening as always. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, you can find my writing, of course, at PackerReport.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyHermanNFL. Uh, you can also find a weekly podcast with myself and Tony Pauline at Pro Football Network. We've been doing that almost a year now. Um, 
So that's a really fun podcast that I get to do with him every week. Um, and yeah, I just really appreciate your support as always. Um, you guys keep listening and, and giving us great feedback on the podcast as well. I uh, can't thank you enough for that. Make sure to check back tomorrow. As always, we have a new episode 365 days a year, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So make sure to download, like, and subscribe. Uh, but until next time, I'll talk to you guys in a week. And as always, go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.